So the one, so I imagine most people watching this know, you know, two years ago I released this immense book, the women's book, volume one, which is about diet, nutrition, and fat loss for women. It was three and a half years of just grinding, exhaustive work. But I learned, like, I had to start from scratch, right, to learn yeah. women's physiology from the get-go. And uh, women are very complicated. So in premise, there's a volume two coming on training. Some of it is written, because I had to pull a lot of it out of the first book. But honestly, mentally, I just can't face it yet. Right. Usually when I write a big book project like that, I take three, three and a half years off. And um, same time, I don't want to wait too long. So what I decided in the interim, what sometimes gets me writing again, was, okay, just do something shorter. Right. If you look at my writing career, every 10 years I do a book that gives me a nervous breakdown. Ketogenic diet, 10 years later, protein book, 10 years later, the women's book. They are, yeah. And in between that, I do these shorter books that I can do without losing my mind. Um, all my, If you look at the... The, the publication dates, that's that's how they always work out. So I'm like, all right, I can crank out something shorter, but I want to do it on something that's relevant. And probably one of the biggest questions I get is not just about birth, hormonal birth control for women, but, you know, will it – well, the big question is always, you know, will I gain weight? Will it hurt my dieting? Will I get fat? You know, et cetera, et cetera. But also, like, how will it affect my athletic performance? Will it hurt? Will it help? Will it be neutral? Um, so I decided, okay, let me just do that one topic because it was it's, I could keep it more targeted. One problem with the women's training book, the topics are a lot more disparate and unrelated. The nutrition thing was all kind of related to itself. This, it's like I got to talk about knee injuries and women's issues, which, believe it or not, I've read research on high heels, boob implants, uh, all kinds of stuff that I'm just like only I would, you know <laughs> – Look, look, right. in, look into that sort of thing because um, it because it is relevant like it is actually extremely important for female athletes but the topics are a lot more spread out so researching them individual so anyway mm -hmm. so i decided birth control thing because it's very common and i don't know how far you want me to get into this let me try to give a quick overview of the topic because sure. hormonal birth control for women is a nightmare of complexity and i'm not joking it took me months to wrap my head around this mm -hmm. so there are two basic types of hormonal birth control. There's what's called combined birth control, which has a synthetic estrogen and a synthetic progesterone, called a progestin, right? Estrogen and progesterone are the two primary hormones, that, and reproductive hormones in women. Combined birth control gives a synthetic form of each. There is a progestin-only form of birth control, so it's only the synthetic progesterone. That's used for women who are pregnant and breastfeeding. Some women can't tolerate synthetic estrogen for reasons mm -hmm. There is no such thing as an estrogen-only hormonal birth control. It's one of the, so it's combined or progestin-only. All forms of birth control work through two primary mechanisms. One is that the progestin affects things like mucus thickness and endometrial thickness. The endometrium is where the egg implants um, to basically make it hard. So if an egg is released, it's much more difficult for it to uh, be impregnate or for the sperm to 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 combine with it. That's the progestin component. And then they also impact overall hormonal production. So just as in men, women's brains produce uh, what's called follicle-stimulating hormone, which helps to produce the egg, and luteinizing hormone, which is involved in estrogen and progesterone production. By putting in synthetic versions of those hormones, a woman's body stops producing her, her normal hormones. Right? It's no different than when a guy takes steroids. Mm -hmm. Right, body goes. Oh, there's plenty of testosterone around. I can quit producing my own, which right. also has the unfortunate side effect of your testicles shrink. 
Right. Because it's actually got to do with intertesticular testosterone, but that's neither here nor there. Right? If you take thyroid hormone, the thyroid, your body stops producing it. Same thing here. So basically, by preventing this hormone called follicle-stimulating hormone from being released, no egg is released. No egg, no pregnancy. Right? So that's the basic mechanism. There's one type of birth control that's a little different, but I'll come back to that. Okay. Birth control comes in the number of forms. Like those are types. What most people know of is the pill. Right? That's where we started in the late 60s, early 70s. Right? It was an oral pill that you took daily, roughly the same amount of time, same time of day. Again, it was combined. There was also a progestin-only mini pill. Uh, typically, originally, uh, the pill was taken 21 days straight, and then you had a seven-day withdrawal period. Mm -hmm. I'll come back to that because there's a funny piece of, not funny, but there's a piece of trivia about that. Lately, there's been a push. Yaz is 24-4. There's a 25-3 or 26-2. The idea is that there's a slight risk of rebound where pregnancy can occur during the withdrawal period. So they're trying to get sort of a better safety profile. Um, lately, there's been a big push towards just using it continuously. You just don't come hmm. off. And you originally did it for a few months, but now they're kind of just using it consistently. And here's why. There was never any physiological rationale for the withdrawal week. None. There's no scientific basis for it. Right. It exists. And I came across this paper, and of course I talked to a female friend of mine. She's like, duh. Like, I'm a dude. Like, you got to tell me these things. Cause I... So anyway, when, 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 re... when hormonal birth control was originally being uh, worked out and researched, the researchers felt that women would be more comfortable with... Because a... during the withdrawal week, there is bleeding. It's not a normal period. It's what's called a withdrawal bleed. They felt that women would be more comfortable with it if they continued to bleed once a month. That's it. That's <laughs> the entire reason for it. Really? Paper I found said that the withdrawal week should be consigned to the annals of history. It has no biological purpose. It decreases the effectiveness of birth control in terms of reproductive control. It is just a leftover from an earlier time when the researchers thought women would prefer this because it would feel more natural. No joke. That's that crazy. was fascinating to me. So there is a push towards continuous. Now, the pill, oh God, it gets even more. Okay, so back to combined real quickly. Most forms of birth control use the same synthetic estrogen. It's called ethanyl estradiol, which is very similar to a woman's uh, endogenous hormone, but it's about five times more potent. It's much stronger. Lately, they're looking into bioidentical forms of, of uh, estrogen, beta estradiol. There's one. Uh, there's only one out there that uses it, but I think that's going to be. I think that's going to be the big change going forward because there's some evidence that works a little bit differently. That's the easy bit. Then there's the synthetic progestin. There are four generations of synthetic progestin: first, second, third, and fourth, depending on when they were developed and from what they were, what compound they were used to develop. Mm -hmm. The initial birth control was first generation. It tended to have a lot of negative side effects, which they controlled by bringing the dose down. The second generation came next. It had less side effects than the first. Well, no, it, it ended up having slight. And then there was the third generation, which had sort of some of the least. And then the fourth generation is, which is made from spironolactone. Spironolactone is a drug that causes water loss, but it also blocks the testosterone receptor. Right, because progestin can, progesterone can bind to the testosterone receptor. 
Synthetic progestins can too, and some of them have masculinizing effects, right? That's what people think of the pill as causing, you know, mm -hmm. acne, oily skin. And the early form certainly did. Uh, the fourth generation progestins are anti-androgenic. They blind to the receptor, bind to the receptor, and actually block the effects of testosterone. So you get a reduction in acne, reduction in oily skin. They use that to um, treat acne very often just to block the androgen receptor. So the first three generations have androgenic effects of varying degrees. Fourth generation has anti-androgenic effects. And even within a given generation, there would be slight differences. So there's like eight different synthetic progestins, all of which can be subtly different. It's a night, like I said, yeah, it's a night. Yeah. There's not a lot of research on most. <laughs> so that's the pill. All right. Because of problems with the pill, usually having to do with what if you go on vacation and forget your pills? What if you... People, some people forget to take it. And again, not a crisis, just a statement of fact, right? We don't always remember to take our meds every day. They wanted to develop new forms of birth control that were easier to use. So one is the patch. The patch is a topical patch that releases hormones, uh, hormones through the skin is combined. You put on one once a week, pull it off. Originally, they used it three weeks on, one week off. I'm pretty sure they're using it continuously. So that's a once a week fire and forget. Now, it is visible it is apparent people you know that's a personal choice and all these have pros and cons and this is all talked about in the book like each one so that's the patch then there's the cervical there's the ring it's a little plastic ring that releases hormones in and it's put in the vagina itself three weeks on one week off and i think they're using it continuously too so basically very similar to the pill combined birth control i forget which progestin is in there it's either a second or third generation um meant to be more convenient. I already mentioned the mini pill. It's a progestin only. You take it every day. I don't know how often it's being used anymore. It's very, very, very old. I don't think it's, I don't know about that. Now we get into the others. All right. First is the Depo Provera shot. It is a progestin only injection that goes into the back of the arm, right? And what it is, it is a Depo form of a very potent, very nasty first-generation progestin. And all depo means is it just takes, it's released into the body slowly, right? Anabolic steroids are depo testosterones. It's just a mm -hmm. generic chemical term. It's big advantage, one shot every three months. Right? Very non-invasive. You go in, boom, you're done. That's about the only benefit. Yeah. It, I think it should be taken off the market personally. This is, this is one of the few places I will really put down a strong opinion. It has the worst profile in terms of causing weight and fat gain. It doubles the risk of obesity. It can cause bone mineral density loss. Uh, it's a nasty, nasty, because it is this nasty, high-potency, first-generation, highly androgenic progestin. I don't know why nobody's developed a newer long-lasting. I, I, maybe there's a technical reason. I don't know. But its only advantage seems to be that it's easy. Is it used much? I don't, I don't know if I've um, talked about it. More than you'd think. It's used a lot uh, in like developing countries with overpopulation program or overpopulation mm. problems. And I do get that in the sense of you can't give out daily pills. You can't give out patches. And it is simply a, we can give you one injection and it's good for three months, and, and there's a practical aspect of that I do get. I do think it's used a lot, and again, if I'm speaking out of my butt, this is, I, I apologize. Like, I think, I suspect in like, younger girls, 
like high school age where you have a situation that, you know, whether they want birth control, their parents want birth control, they may not be good about taking a pill, they may mm -hmm. not want the appearance of the patch, whatever, it is a fire and forget method. But the potential for it to cause a lot, of, I mean, it is the one you hear people talk about the worst side effects. Weight gain, it's very difficult to lose weight and body fat, or so it's, mm -hmm. you know, that's its whole separate issue. I'll come back to you. Okay, so that's Depo. I don't like it unless there's some really strong, like if there's one, I'd say never, do, that's the one. Then there's Implanon or Nexplanon. It is a small plastic device that releases a, it's either a second or third generation progestin. It is put, it is implanted in the back of the arm. Now, it gives you three years of continuous birth control. It has none of the negatives of Depo-Provera, but it requires a small incision and a small inpatient surgery. And I think that's why it's not used more. It's not as convenient. Mm -hmm. There's also the issue, like, you know, I'll briefly touch on this. Like, why are you using birth control? We tend to think of it as, oh, it's purely to prevent unwanted pregnancy. But there are other reasons women use them. Right. Some of it is cycle control. It may be if you have extremely heavy blood flow, it can be used and help with that. If you have extremely bad uh, premenstrual syndrome or premenstrual dysphoric disorder where you literally, you know, some women are physically incapacitated for one week out of the month. Some women have suicidal ideation. Uh, it can get very, it's a small percentage, but for the women that it happens to, it is just like life destroying. Sure. Birth control may be used for that, right? So let's say you're using it purely for just reproductive control. Well, are you a woman who's looking for it temporarily for whatever reason? Maybe you're not in a monogamous, maybe you don't want kids now, or are you in a situation that you know for a fact you don't want kids for three years? In that case, it, there's another consideration. The pill can be stopped anytime, and within one or two months, you'll probably be, you know, it'll be completely reversible. Decide you want to get pregnant, just don't get a next depot shot. Stop using the patch. Stop using the ring. Mm -hmm. The implant implant has to be physically removed because it lasts for three years. Uh, finally, is the hormonal IUD. And so the, an IUD is a little copper T-shaped thing. It's put, it's, it is inserted into the, the uterus and it basically just blocks, it's just a barrier method, blocks the fallopian tubes and basically prevents sperm from getting to the egg. Now, the copper IUD is purely a physical barrier method, but there is also a hormonal IUD. Morena is one brand. It is not only a physical barrier, but it releases a progestin directly into the uterus. Yeah. And what it does is it thickens the cervical mucus, it uh, thickens the endometrium, it basically just makes that whole area very uh, um, unpleasant for sperm. So it's an at. However, only a very small amount of that hormone gets into the bloodstream. Tiny amount does, but it's much, much lower than any other form. So what that means is that it's working very differently than the other forms of birth control. It's almost purely local. So a woman will still have a menstrual cycle, she will still ovulate, she will still have a period, although it tends to get lighter after a few months. So the hormonal IUD really lives outside of everything else because it's not affecting a woman's, it doesn't affect luteinizing hormone or follicle stimulating because it is almost purely local. All right, so briefly, combined and progestin only. One type of synthetic estrogen, eight at least progestins. There might be more now. They keep making these more of these things. We got the pill, we got the patch, we got the ring, we got the shot, we got the uh, implant, and we got the hormonal IUD. Can you see why this took me so long to wrap my head around? 
Sure, that's crazy. It was, a, it was an awful half a year trying to figure this out. Okay. What, uh, why is it that, or you think that when people talk about birth control, you know, I mean, women yeah. can be on birth control five, ten years. They say, come off, and within a couple of months, you'll be fine. Guys go on like TRT or they're, you know, they're taking anabolic steroids and you'll hear stories. People took it for one year and it took them a year to recover or they never recovered. Like, why is there that difference? That's a really good question. You know, I don't have an answer that there, there are other people in the industry that could really probably better answer that. I don't know why testosterone is having such a potent effect in that. And like, and I know permanent shutdown exists, but I don't know that it's super common. Mm -hmm. The only thing I can think of, again, this is really kind of outside what I, I tend to be interested in, other just very uh, tangentially, is, right, we know that men's testosterone is made, well, in their testicles. We know that one of the big negatives of chronic high-dose steroid use is testicular atrophy, right? You're actually losing tissue down there. Right. And I, to my knowledge, that doesn't happen to the ovaries. Mm. And I have to wonder if maybe that's, like I said, there's other, I would actually now, it's really, I would love to know the answer, but I don't know. It may yeah. simply be that you do actual damage to the testicles with long-term high-dose use, and that does not reversible. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, I, it doesn't have shrinkage. What's that? Yeah. I was going to say, to your point with the, the shrinkage, yeah. you know, you said thyroid. I don't, to my knowledge, the thyroid gland doesn't really shrink a lot when people take thyroid medication, and no. that also bounces back relatively Usually quickly. Too, yeah, like you hear a lot of people talk about having permanent issues. I suspect yeah. that's with super high doses for like, you know, people who are taking 25 or 50 micrograms a day mm -hmm. bounce right back. People that are taking 200 micrograms a day for a year, maybe not so much. But mm -hmm. yeah, so that's my best guess. And if anybody has an answer... Please, eat. like, that's a fascinating question. I would really like to know the answer. Um, yeah, but by and large, these are, like, they, hormonal birth control does not do any permanent damage to women's reproductive system. I will mention the hormonal IUD, which has many advantages in terms of it gives you five years of control, very minimal systemic hormonal effects. But there is a small risk where the it can physically scar the tubes. Mm -hmm. So if you are eventually wanting to become... And I don't think it's a large risk, but again, that sort of is it's it's very there. dismissive because the women that it happens to, doesn't matter right. how small the risk is. If it happens to you, it happens to you, and that can be a real tragedy. Sure. So it also doesn't control it. So again, we're looking at all these pros and cons where some may be better for controlling the cycle in general or preventing if you have major PMS symptoms. The hormonal IUD doesn't have that, which is good if you don't have a really variable cycle, but if you're looking for cycle control, not so good of an issue. It also does look like most female athletes still use the pill. That still, for, so for whatever reason, that seems to be kind of the, the first choice. Like over, something like over 50% of, of um, female athletes are using some form of hormonal birth control. And I think a majority of them use a pill or combined, um, and I don't know why. You mentioned um, that it was hard to, uh, it was very hard to lose weight, right, with the depot. Tempo seems to be the worst. Yeah, um, and I'm just curious. You know, people talk about it, ultimately with weight gain and weight loss, calories in, calories out. If you're having a hard time gaining or losing, you're changing sure. some side of that equation. Yes. What What is changing yeah. there? That well, so that's hard. okay. So this is this is probably the main topic people want to hear about. That I'll touch on athletic stuff since we don't have forever. So weight, birth control has a uh, there's a longstanding belief that it causes weight and fat gain. Mm -hmm. Now, 
remember those first sets of pills, they use very high amounts of estrogen. Like they used to use like 150 micrograms of estrogen, synthetic estrogen. Now they use between 15 and 25, right? The doses were brought and they still get the same cycle control. Estrogen can cause water retention. So that's super high dose. There's no telling what it was doing. The early progestins were very, very, very nasty. So they've done a lot of work on, you know, birth control and weight gain, typically. And they've compared all kinds of different forms. Sometimes they compare them to each other, compare them to like non-hormonal methods. And on average, the weight gain seems to be about two or three pounds. However, the average belies the individual, right? Like we mm -hmm. talked about, we talked about hypertrophy. And when I looked into this, I was mind blown. Because the variance in some of these studies, when they present the individual data, like the average weight gain, two pounds. But, it, but women would go from losing 16 pounds to mm -hmm. gaining 30, right? So what happens, right? You have 10 to lose and 10 to gain, yeah. boom. The average is zero, but the individual variance is staggering. In one paper, I think, I want to say one woman gained like 60 pounds in a year. And I don't even know how that's, maybe it's 30 pounds in a year. Regardless, Either way, it, crazy. it was nuts, right? But in one of the studies, they compared it to the copper IUD, right, a non-hormonal method. The copper IUD had the same variance, 16 pounds lost versus 16 pounds gained. Mm -hmm. Well, it becomes very difficult to blame the hormones when, and, and so, but this is in the general public. This is in an uncontrolled eating and activity situation. When you've got that level of variance, A, it could just be aging, right? Lots of things we typically gain weight as we age. What's probably happening, and again, don't mishear me. I'm not saying women, it's all in your heads. I'm not dismissing individual experiences. But what the research suggests is that birth control gets the blame mm -hmm. when it may not be the cause. Now, some physicians think that some women are more or less prone to it, right? What tends to happen, there's a very big internet selection bias we forget about. Sure. If you Google birth control and weight gain, you will hear, it will seem like 100% of women are gaining weight. You know why? Because women who lose weight don't talk about it, mm -hmm. right? They don't go post their positive experiences, by and large. So it, it makes it sound like 100, but it's not. You're hearing about the same like any diet. You go to any diet forum, all you hear about is people having problems. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, yeah. dieting is impossible for everyone. No, you're not hearing <laughs> about the people who are succeeding because they're not right. asking questions about because they're not having problems. So I think you've got right. a lot of it. And there's been a couple, of, and I'll come back to the depot, I promise. There's been two studies I'm aware of looking at athletes specifically, and a couple others that just measured body comp. And they were both in runners, unfortunately. But presumably athletes are controlling their food intake and their activity to a much greater degree than the general public. Mm -hmm. And they found essentially no effect. Right now, the synthetic estrogen may cause two or three pounds, but in the studies, when women go off it, they lose it in a month. It's obviously water weight. Mm -hmm. Usually the studies that find the biggest problem use high-dose progestins. And I actually, you know, and I left another bit out about combined birth control and oral that I didn't want. There's even four different types. Monophasic, which keeps the hormones the same all month. Biphasic, which raises the progestin once. Triphasic, which stair-steps it. And quadriphasic, which raises it four times. Oral birth control is a nightmare. There's so many variations of possibilities. But whenever I looked at the research, those triphasics, the one that had a very high progestin week, those have, because progestins are nasty. They tend to stimulate fat gain, stimulate hunger, tend to cause muscle breakdown. The studies that find the biggest are the ones that use those triphasic high progestin components. 
But by and large, estrogen causes a little bit of weight gain. One study in triphasic, the women, it was athletes, they gained two or three pounds of fat, lost a couple pounds of muscle, which admittedly is not a good thing mm. as a female athlete. Um, but of course, even that, we know that weight gain doesn't tell the whole story. If you gain two pounds of muscle, lose two pounds of fat, your body weight's the same. If you mm. lose two pounds of muscle and gain two pounds of fat as an athlete, that's a bad thing. Anyway, the right. monophasic, by and large, especially the newer ones, just don't seem to have the problem, especially when body when when activity is controlled. And I've talked to coaches, you've talked to coaches, and they're like, yeah, our trainers are like, their clients, by and large, don't seem to have a problem if activity and diet is controlled. There was one study looking at physique competitors, about half of whom were on birth control, maybe a little more. They all made it to contest. So, like, there doesn't seem to be any – okay, so depot. What's the problem with depot? Even straight well, – A, it's a high – just a high-potency progestin. It's one of the nastiest ones, this nasty first-generation high-dose. So that ties in with that triphasic. High progestin levels – without estrogen is just a problem, right? Because also remember, combined birth control is tanking both your hormones, mm -hmm. women's hormones, but it's replacing both of them. Right, so right. only are tanking both of her hormones and only replacing one. And estrogen has a lot of very beneficial effects. So another, given the choice, I would prefer a women use a combined to a progestin only. There are some medical situations where it is indicated, but by and large, I think combined is superior. For that reason, progestin tends to cause more side effects too. Anyway, so Depo is this high-potency progestin-only. What's bizarre, if you give it a certain point in the cycle, it actually raises metabolic rate by about 5%. So huh. what the hell is going on? Because of what progestins do to a woman's body, it was shown to, as they put it, increase attention to palatable foods, right? Now, these studies are goofy as hell. What they do is they, like, diet people down, and they show you pictures of either, like, boring foods or tasty foods. Yeah. And they look at how quickly your attention goes to one or the other. Right now, you've dieted to low levels of body fat. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. You're walking down the street, and there's a picture. There's a muffin. There's, like, a cookie store. You just know it's there, right? You're mm -hmm. you're in, in it's by it's neurochemical, it's biological. Your entire system is attuned to find calories now. Depot, so so depot is probably just increasing food intake. Yeah, but it is one of those things that becomes a pretty strong biological drive. And I just think the other negatives on bone mineral density and everything else just make it. It, it would it would never be my first choice. If right. It can right. Avoid it. Like if you just there's no other option for some reason, I would say so. So it probably is to the energy balance equation. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, you can see weird partitioning stuff, you know, that sure. outside the calorie, depending on where the calories get sent. And the progestins, even in the second half of the menstrual cycle, do tend to like activate specifically fat storage in the thighs and tend to inhibit muscle protein synthesis. And yeah, it's just, it's just nasty, nasty, nasty. Um, but by and large, assuming, you know, food and exercise are controlled, the effects seem to be pretty small. Like I said, estrogen yeah. causes a little water weight gain. How, how important that is to you as an individual thing, right? If you are an athlete, a runner or a cyclist for whom body weight is critical, that may matter. If you're a weight class athlete, like power lifter or MMA or someone who has to Olympic lifter, that may matter because yeah. you have, that makes it harder for you to make to make weight for your class. For everyone else, I mean, I, we know that women tend to get, you know, some sports have an aesthetic component and people would be puffy and a little bit, you know, it, like if you're a jumper, that little bit of extra weight, if you're an ice figure skater, 
getting two to three extra pounds off the ice, it matters. Yeah. But you can go off that and it goes away very, very quickly. Um, you know, as far as the fat gain, I think as long as you avoid the, the high progestin third, you know, that triphasic and, and depot doesn't seem to be that big of an issue. And like, I wish they would study weight training. I wish they would do this a little bit more consistently, but they just haven't. Um, you know, so far as other aspects of athletic performance, let's see if I can get through this in three minutes. So first off, let's look at benefits, cycle control. Some women's performance during the menstrual cycle, some is flat and some are just up and down and up and down, right? If you are a woman who's got that one week and it's usually the fourth week of the cycle when you have PMS where you are just incapacitated, mm-hmm. right? I had one trainee, she would go from hitting PRs at the beginning of her cycle to no more than 60% of max at the end. It was nightmarish. Wow. And then as soon as she started menstruating, her she'd hit PRs again, right? Now, for the average female trainee, that it, small differences may not matter. If you're a high-performance athlete, you cannot give up one week out of every four of your training. Right. Yeah, sure. Or, I mean, you can, de- you can add, use this deload, but if you are too incapacitated to train at all, that's not ex- – or what if you're a female athlete who's got that one bad week and you figure this out with tracking? You've trained your whole life. The world championships are coming up. And they're on one of the worst days of your cycle. Well, too bad. Right. Right. You're out of luck. And there is nothing you can do about it. And many women will use birth control to regulate their cycle so they control when the bad or they just use it continuously. There is also, without getting explicit, women have reported using birth control so that they have uh, – like if they're going on vacation with a special someone mm-hmm. and they want to make sure that their cycle is at a specific, I'll just leave it at that. I think we can all kind of infer what I'm getting at here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that, so that's a good reason for women who have a very heavy blood flow, they're at risk of becoming anemic. By removing or decreasing their, men, their menstruation, that can be a very humongous benefit. So, so there are benefits to it to be certain, but there are also some potential negatives. Whether or not these negatives are important to any given woman depends. They're usually very small, right? Aerobic performance, VO2 max goes down by like 5 to 15%. And if you're an elite endurance athlete, that matters. If you're the average recreational yeah. female trainee, who gives a crap, right? That right, is not right. relevant to you. Anaerobic performance may be affected, but even here there's a benefit. Women are at a higher risk of knee injury right after they ovulate. Their, their, tendon, their ligaments get a little bit more flexy. Birth control can reduce the risk of knee injury by 20%. So there's another benefit for women who may be prone to that or at higher risk mm-hmm. for various reasons. Overall performance doesn't, again, it's, if it's there, it's very small. Part of it, the research on this is terrible. Like yeah. I've never seen a worse set of research in my life. Either they don't list what birth control they're on, they don't even list what type of birth control they're on, or they'll take 10 women on four different kinds of birth control, put them all in one group, measure wow. freaking hand grip strength, <laughs> and then they could, like, or thumb, I've seen some do thumb strength. I'm just like, yeah. oh my God. what is going on here? There's only been a very few studies that systemically were like, we're going to compare this form to this form, second or third generation progestin or something. There's only a handful of studies and just the research base is terrible. You always know it's bad when someone has to write a paper that says, this is what y'all are doing wrong mm. in your research on this topic. There is a systemic problem and that paper exists. So like basically yeah. all this research is terrible because um, right. no, they're just not doing it well. In terms of muscle gain and strength, the, the, the early 10 studies were actually all of so low quality that they're just not even worth reading. They're just said hand grip and thumb and yeah. all this other nonsense. 
The handful of studies seem to suggest no major strength differences. However, anecdotally, I know some female powerlifters that one was put on depot and it, she lost a year of training to it. Another yeah, went sucks. off of birth control, her testosterone tripled. This is something else I didn't talk about. Birth control will cut testosterone by about 50% hmm. for a number of reasons that I won't get into. It's all in the book. And that's actually part of the reason birth control can cause some women to, have no, to lose sex drive, which I guess is another way of prevents pregnancy, but not right. necessarily, not necessarily, right. the, not necessarily the, the mechanism I imagine a lot of women are looking sure. for yeah. in any case. So that's another, you know, so there's another, which again, the hormonal IUD lives outside of all of this stuff. It has none of these systemic effects. Um, so doesn't, you know, and she added like 25 kilos to her total because her testosterone tripled. And for a small female powerlifter at a high level, that's a lot. When she came off. Yes, she came okay. off and her testosterone went up threefold. And over the next year, she was finally able to make some some uh, some performance gains. So, so again, for the average recreation, recreational trainee, does it matter? Maybe, maybe not. Probably not. Big picture, mm -hmm. is that extra 10% on your lifting going to really be a deal breaker? Probably not. For elite strength performers, if they're in, it, it may very well be. Yeah. With muscle gain, it's even worse. So the first study showed that birth control caused less muscle gain. Now, when I say less, I'm talking about one pound over eight weeks, right? I'm not talking, it was, they gained one and a half kilos versus one. So like, don't hear that this is some, is the half a kilo worth matter to most people? Not unless you're a performance physique athlete or performance athlete. It's a pound. Yeah. And it suggested that but, but the lower androgenic group did better than the higher androgenic group. And then the next studies said it was the opposite. The higher androgenic was better than the lower androgenic. And then one study said that it might be the estrogen component. And at that point, I just threw my hands in the air and said, <laughs> I give up. Because yeah. none of these studies will interact in any rational way to form a good model of this. Right, and right. I talked to this book. At most, if the effect is there, it's small. One study even said it made better gains, but right. it was probably the estrogen component. I talked to the researcher. So who, I don't know, right? right? On the one hand, cutting testosterone in half cannot be good. But on the other, maybe the androgenic quality of the progestin is acting as a sufficient signal. Yeah. And on the other, other hand, maybe it's just blocking the receptor, not sending a signal at all. And on the other, other hand, I don't know. I, I just so, really, I wish I, like, I, I just need someone to do the proper study with that's systematically done. I mean, one of the papers I read said they compared a second and third generation progestin on protein synthesis. They got it wrong. They compared two different third generation progestins. Oh, wow. And I'm just blown away by that. I'm like, so anyway, any effect on muscle gain would appear to be relatively small. So for, again, for the average recreational trainee, it's probably not a big deal. And those other issues, whether it's because they want reproductive control, whether they want cycle control, whether they want, you know, menstrual flow control, is probably worth any small negative effect. High-level athletes, you're looking at a different set. The small effects on performance may be very important at the highest levels. Right. If you're a woman who loses a week of training, you may not have a choice. Maybe you have to be on. Now, these aren't uh, usually exclusive, right? One paper I read was like, look, maybe an athlete who's got a bad week, she uses birth control in competition, but not during the buildup, right? There's nothing that says you have to use it year round. All the time. 
you use it during you you avoid you don't use it in case it's going to inhibit the adaptations during your main training. Once you're in your competitive cycle, you use it to regulate your cycle so that you can compete at your best. Right. So these are all options, and of course, and I would add without getting into this. This is all, there's also the presumption of, okay, what, again, what are we using it for? Are you in a monogamous relationship? There are other aspects of this, right? Hormonal right. birth control is only reproductive function. It will not protect against STIs. Sure. So there's the consideration of if you are not in a monogamous relationship. And again, I don't want anybody to miss here, not saying good or bad or indifferent. This is just me talking right. generally. You're still going to need something for barrier, some form of barrier to protect against STIs. Right. Then you have to ask, well, do I want hormonal birth control on top of that as a backup plan? Because obviously no form of non-hormonal, I mean, even hormonal isn't perfect. Right. So there's a lot of, and I talk a little, I, I get a little bit into that without getting into too much. Only the last thing that won't stop is just because I want to be the guy that talks about this all the time. I don't want to be the first guy to put this out there, is that a lot of the effects of hormonal birth control, some are negative, some are positive. In the aggregate, if a woman doesn't need them, my general sense is I think high-level female athletes are better off not being on them, yeah. given the choice. Some don't have that choice. And I'm not trying to right. demonize birth control, just saying we don't know. We need better research. There's the potential of a small negative effect that may matter. Now, if you are in a monogamous relationship, whether your partner is an athlete or not, and I'm going to make that horribly patriotic, I'm just going, I'm assuming here that you're in... Oh, God, how do I even phrase this without getting excoriated for being a cis white male? <laughs> that you're in, a, that you're in a, a heterosexual relationship. Whether he's an athlete or not, he should get snipped. It solves all the problems, right? I got a vasectomy in 2012, and I wish I'd gotten it sooner. I've never looked back. I spent three days laying on the couch with an ice pack in my crotch. It was kind of a weird procedure because I was awake for it. And it felt like a plumber, like it didn't hurt, but it feels like plumbers kind of rooting around down there. It's a little weird. Um, you know, women have always been tasked with the responsibility for their own reproductive future, for right or for wrong. It just, it is what it is, right? They keep talking about male hormonal birth control, but I would ask, unless you saw the guy take it, are you going to believe him? Right. <laughs> not right, but it is. It's just the way of the world, unfortunately. But this is a situation that if you're in a long-term monogamous relationship, just have him get snipped. You can do it in his off-season and lose three days. You don't have to worry about barrier methods that can, whatever, whatever reason you dislike them, whether they chafe or spontaneity or whatever, she can abort hormonal birth control if she doesn't need it. Trust me, everybody wins. I wish I'd gotten one much younger in life. Um, I'm, so I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure there's... A lot we could go into that, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I, we're going a little late, but um, I think the women are going to be mad that I have to cut this off because actually, I have more questions now <laughs> than going into it sure. for sure. I mean, there's a million questions. Yeah, we, we can do a follow up because this topic, like, yeah, I mean, we'll you, have you to. get the idea from the the overview. This is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, the whole thing it, is. It is. Uh, I assume he's got a few questions you want me to ask too. So we'll definitely get you back on. We'll, we'll cover some more in some of the general Q and A too. Um, was one of them, I have to know, was one of the questions she sent you when she'll squat 225? It was not. It was not. I can say that much. <laughs> don't hear this in here. So, okay. Um, but yeah, so so until we get that second one up, where can people find more of your stuff? 
Um, as always, my main site, bodyrecomposition.com. My store is separate at store.bodyrecomposition.com and it's got this little booklet for sale. Um, it is fairly short and to the point. I, I made myself a rule that I should do more, which is that no chapter would be more than five pages. And I would just like stay to the, like I tried to take out all of the excessive verbiage I'm known for putting in. So mm -hmm. it is very, it's got all concise. the science you need, concise, but then I've got some very applied sections that are like this. These are the considerations. I try to really keep it to the point. It's about 50 pages. Um, my Facebook group, as always, bodyrecomposition.com. I'm there. I think you're in it. Got lots mm -hmm. and lots and lots of smart people, uh, some great physiotherapists, physicians, a great OBGYN. So when you get into medical stuff with birth control, that's outside of my area. Um, but she can definitely uh, address that and, and the stuff that I can't. So it's all Very basically cool. bodyrecomposition.com, whether it's my website or my Facebook group. Awesome. And of course, I'll have links down below for everybody. So thank that's you cool. again, Lyle. Absolutely. Thanks, Dave.